The Young Jerks are sponsored by UFCW 1445, a labor union representing cannabis employees in Massachusetts. Currently, UFCW is holding a union election at NETA New England Treatment Access in Brookline, as well as at Mayflower. If you are a cannabis employee worried about your health and safety and are not being heard at work, call the union at UFCW local 1445.org or call them at 1-800-439-1445. Welcome, we're live. Mike Crawford, Young Jerks. Another special episode, a lot going on. I want to, first of all, congratulate the workers over at Mayflower, Medicinals, and Holliston, Cultivation and Manufacturing. They voted today to have UFCW 1445, our sponsor, represent them as a union. They voted yes for the union today. Very exciting. A lot of wins for workers lately the cannabis space, we're all about it. And tonight we have another special episode on New England Treatment Access. We've been covering this for a while. You check our Twitter feed, we're all over it. And uh, we're happy because we have a lot of information, news that we like to share and find out, things I wanna find out tonight. And we have three new guests uh, from New England Treatment Access, either current employees or recently furloughed employees. I Pretty sure they're all supporters of the union. We're gonna find out right now. Uh, the first question, I want them all to introduce themselves one by one here. I want them to tell us uh, about themselves, uh, where you work or where you worked at New England Treatment Access, what your role was, uh, but tell us a little bit about yourself as well. And also uh, tell us if you do support the union, why? Uh, we'll start with uh, JB, JB Fulbright from Brookline. I, do we have your mute off yet? Yes, we do, right? Awesome, yeah, I'm JB. Um, I was a patient service associate at Netta Brookline. I was laid off during the uh, COVID furloughs and layoffs. Um, outside of having worked at Netta, I am a musician and I am relocating from Brookline to Providence this coming month. Awesome, and what, what kind of music do you play? Do you? play different instruments or you're in a band what's that, how's that yeah i'm in a band i play electric cello and sing it <laughs> awesome yeah. i'm interested my girlfriend's big into the music scene she's a long time radio music dj champion of local music so awesome. we, we we love music in this house That's what's cool. the name of the band i have to ask now uh we're called prior panic prior panic yeah prior panic I'll, I'll be on the lookout for that. Do you play, like, I'm sure you played out before COVID-19? Yeah, we were playing out in Boston a bunch for the last couple of years. Uh, don't know when that's happening again, but we got music on online. <laughs> Where do people find your music? Uh, it's on Spotify and Bandcamp, and I think it's also on other streaming stuff, just the all the streaming services. <laughs> awesome. And so you you worked at Brookline, and you were recently furloughed? Yeah, I was uh, laid off entirely in the beginning of April. And why do you think that happened? Because we, you know, we've talked to a number of employees from Brookline specifically, and it seemed like that, you know, with the union election coming, and all of a sudden they laid off most of the staff from Brookline, and now they have to hire for Brookline, and they didn't rehire those folks. Why do you think you were laid off or at Brookline? I don't think it was unrelated to my opinions on the working conditions within the store. Um, I, I am pro-union. I don't think I was ever, I don't think I ever described myself word by word as pro-union in front of management, but I think based on um, the issues with conditions that I called out to management or higher up, uh, whether it was in regards to like social equity on staff or their handling specifically of the COVID situation or the call out that they got in the Boston Globe article about uh, the absence points and the legality of that in the Massachusetts labor laws. Uh, I think those things kind of stacked up against me. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like we've heard that story quite a few times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we also have uh, Basil Cahill from Franklin. You work in cultivation right now? 
Oh uh, yeah, that's right. I uh, work in uh, cultivation at the Franklin facility. And how long have you worked there at? Um, going on uh, about over a year and a half now, going on two years. And so, like currently, do you? I'm sure you're supporting the union. Is that correct? I mean, you're oh, on yeah. the show tonight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And why? Why? Why are you supporting the union? Um, for various reasons. Um, I think the main reasons here would be that I feel that the working conditions and the way we've been treated in Netta hasn't been to what it should be for this industry. And you know, long you know, I, I've been in this industry going on you know seven years now, and seeing what I've seen and lately, but you know, overall has it's it's made me upset. Like this is not where I want to see this industry go, especially you know now as states begin to legalize and go forward with this. I don't want this standard to be set. So I am pro union because I think that with all this you know corporate we going around like the the people need to say like we need to be able to stand up for ourselves because they're not going to take care of us. Bo Wrigley's not going to take care of you. Billionaire Bo. Uh, and the third guest we have on the show, uh, Jonathan Martins. Did I get that right? Yep, you got that right. Thank you. Perfect. Uh, where do you, we're just meeting. So where do you work? Where do you, you know, work at New England Treatment Access? Tell us about yourself. Yeah, I've been over there for almost two years now. Um, January 2019 is when I started. Um, right now, I work my way up. I'm the kitchen team lead in the morning. I'm help make all the edibles and I'm oversee all of it. And is that in Franklin or Brookline? In Franklin. In Franklin. Okay. So you're also yeah, in Franklin. Make the edibles for Franklin, uh, for Northampton and for Brookline. Awesome. So you guys are all, I love it. You're all across the different, co the company. Um, were you also like furloughed and brought back or were you working there the whole time? I, I was furloughed for um, like a month and then I got brought back. You got brought back. Okay. I guess, I mean, we have so many questions. I'm just thinking of new questions like every moment. So well, let's ask this first question. This is out of the blue. I know I'm not like even prepping you for this one, but stop and shop workers right now. We're getting hazard pay and it got cut on July 4th. They are represented by a union. I'm wondering, has anyone at New England Treatment Access been receiving hazard pay or an increase in pay since COVID-19 or because of COVID-19? Brookline got um, like for two weeks, they got time and a half, I believe. But then once we found out in Franklin about it and then started making noise about it, they cut it off. So no no increase really, it's just two weeks of uh, a bonus for some of the people in one location. Yeah. Uh, it, it really seemed like they didn't want that word getting out to like the, you know, you know Northampton or Franklin because yeah, people were, understandably very upset to hear that they weren't getting the, the same benefit. And people wonder why we want, you know, unions. This is why, I mean, this, at this time, everyone should be getting an increase in pay. If you're, if you're indoors at all, especially if you're dealing with a lot of customers, I mean, that just, it should happen. And that's why unions are really important right now. I feel like, but I want to ask you, cause uh, uh, Basil, you mentioned working conditions. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hear all the time about Netta. What are the working, because you're also in cultivation. I, I don't know if you've seen the stories I've written about Netta and, and the cultivation from the past, um, but there's always questions about cultivation. But tell, tell us what about the working conditions that you mentioned. Like, what are your concerns? Kind of flesh that out. Yeah, I mean, geez, it's uh, a lot of things. Um, the big ones, um, especially leading up to COVID, was just the lack of preparedness there was just this kind of dismissal generally that it you know, wasn't going to happen to us or it wasn't going to be a big deal. Um, the social distancing wasn't enforced for a while. Masks weren't enforced, uh, you know, proper, you know, sanitary conditions weren't available like hand sanitizer or even like, you know, paper towels and bathrooms, things like that. That was a big concern, but like, you know, even before all that, you know, you have the uh, like mold in the cultivation facilities and of course the rampant aphid inf uh, aphid infestation, infestation, which is also pretty troubling. And I, I work with it every day and it's, you know, yeah, it's, it, it's something to really concern about and not much has really been done about it. I, and, and then on top, beyond all that too, there's just a general, I, I feel like lack of, you know, concern for safety for, you know, the workers in general, be like, you know, from things like, 
you know, just like slippery surfaces or like uh, sprays and rooms and stuff and not having the proper PPE, like things like that. Now you say, but we've heard some of this before about the aphids and the mold, the lack of PPE. And you're saying that really hasn't changed that much since we've been talking about it like over um, the last months? After we had a confirmed case in Franklin, in the Franklin facility, it was at that point, you know, I, 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 I you know, took um, some time, you know, it's quarantine myself originally, but I wasn't asked to, I had to do it myself to quarantine for my own safety. Consider I have a heart condition, so I have to, you know, I'm in the vulnerable population, so I had to take the measures myself. When I came back, then they started having masks and, you know, limiting the amount of people in locker rooms at the time, which, you know, beforehand was very, very crowded. Like, there's no way to social distance back then. You know, there's lots of little issues. So, like, as far as those kind of things, they've improved. But as far as, say, like, the mold and the aphids and things like that, um, it's more or less the same. Now, uh, some of the past guests had mentioned that they had heard people coming down with COPD after working in the cultivation room, in the trim room. Is that kind of your experience there as well? Um, I've, I've had some reactions to certain things that have been used in the rooms and yeah, it's not good. I've, I've all, I was also, I used to work in the, uh, as a team lead for packaging labeling and you know, we'd have people who would have issues in the trim room or other areas, you know, like related to respiratory issues and, and such. And they would send them, they would just like, you know, send them over and have us have them work in my department. And so, and that was a pretty frequent and common thing to happen. So it was, that, that was a troubling sign for, at the least. And then when I got back into cultivation, I got to see it for myself. And yeah, it seems like it's a pretty common thing. Oh, I, I just, it's disappointing yeah. to hear that, that nothing seems to change. This is again, why, why I really feel like we need a union and especially UFCW 1445. I, how familiar are you, are you guys, you know, all, all three of you with UFCW? Um, because I've been working with them and I'm really impressed. Are you all kind of really impressed by them? I'm yes? definitely yeah. newer to the labor movement and especially like uh, UFCW. But I would say that like in the last few months of like working with them first, like just being involved in the campaign and then after being laid off and like being part of like outreach to other people to make sure that they're eligible to vote or make sure to call in for their ballots, like seeing how dedicated that UFCW has been to actually advocating for the workers has been really encouraging for me, especially because when I was working, like a lot of people, uh, the main doubts that folks were having were not really being the election kind of started quickly to the point where people weren't super educated about what was going on once the petition was filed so there's kind of like a distrust of like oh is the union like just as bad as management is it just another person like wanting to take our money like without actual regard for conditions but like the more that we've worked with them the more that i personally have seen that it's like it's not about like the dues, like management will have you think it is. It's really just about making sure that workers in compromised positions have the representation that they deserve. And yeah, it's really encouraging to see that happening and knowing that it's happening all across the country is really amazing too. Yeah, it, it is, it's exciting, especially for me because I'm all about Massachusetts forever and I was getting depressed and, and it feels like finally, like we have a say in some of what goes on for workers, you know, that have been taken advantage of in a lot of respects, a bit, you know, with these big cannabis firms. Um, I want to ask you about, cause you, you mentioned uh, specifically JB kind of, a, you know, hinted about uh, something I want to ask about some emails that have gone around. One of the emails was from Netta management. I think his name's Dan Lowther. Am I right on that? Matt, I believe. Oh, Matt, Matt Lowther. Thank you. Yeah. He's a, he's a, you know, a, a, I don't know what he is, but he's, he's one of the top guys at Netta or Parallel, as we call them now. He sent an email basically totally bagging on the union. Um, how was that received? Like, what do you, well, first of all, how do you feel about, you know, seeing that email, number one, but how do you think that was received by your fellow employees as well? Or did you talk to them about it? Um, so I haven't talked to a lot of my, like, I haven't talked to employees that have 
uh, stayed there about that email. I actually saw it first on the Reddit thread and then I had it sent to me by a friend from online who also used to work in the Massachusetts cannabis industry who saw it. Um, I've been seeing it get tossed around by people who don't work at NADA, but like kind of sparking a lot of community outrage or like solidarity within the industry. Um, I'm not surprised that that went out. It's pretty uh, reflective of some of the uh, emails and correspondence that they were sending out or uh, sharing in meetings before I was laid off. Um, I would say that before my layoff, it was a little bit more subtle in like kind of like ingraining it into the meetings as opposed to being like, this is anti-union propaganda. Uh, but I've also seen uh, from other folks sending around like uh, letters that they've put out at Brookline that are pretty much the same as Lauther's, uh, doing everything but threatening employees into not voting <laughs> in favor of the union. Uh, the people who've shared it have described it as bullying. Uh, people on the Reddit thread were threatening to boycott business because of it, which you know, I, as a fired employee, I won't speak one way or the other <laughs> in terms of that, but I think it's, uh, I think it's really cool to see that there's community support and uh, that there are people, even if they aren't the people working there currently, who understand that it's, especially in the time of pandemic, that we really have to prioritize, like, workers' rights and safety right now. I mean, all the time, but, like, I think in a lot of ways COVID has kind of exposed the cracks and the foundation of like government, society, infrastructure, pretty much everything that's happened and and yeah, that hundred percent applies to workers' rights right now. Definitely. I think the community, I mean you could see it on Reddit. Uh, you know, two years ago when we were talking about issues at Netta, some people got it, but a lot of people on that Reddit didn't get it. They were really, now it seems like it's just the opposite. It's like, you can't really find many, there might be a couple, but for the most part, it's like 99% are like, wow, like over and, over, and they're seeing it over and over again. And this show too, like our community, our Facebook group, our podcast, we, we get the feedback from our community and they all are supportive of, of the workers. They're like, what can we do? Should we start a, like a campaign, a boycott? Like, we're just like, just support them on the union you know campaign right now and we'll we'll see what they need when they tell us what they need but exactly. that's really what you can do as a community but people are really into this i mean uh the first real podcast that we did recently more recently uh with four uh whistleblowers from data it was our most listened to podcast that we've ever done we've been going for over five years so you know we've had a lot of big politicians on here i mean that just shows you the interest in this community, people care. I mean, that that's that's why I'm doing this over and over and over again, because I know our audience is into it as, as much as I am. So it, it's a win-win. I, I really hope you guys win this, because right now, where, uh, you know, in Brookline, there's an election happening. It's a uh, mail-in ballot uh, for New England treatment access to unionize at the Brookline location. JB, you're going to be a part of that, even though you're not, at Netta anymore, apparently. We were talking about that earlier. But there's all, also a campaign going on at Franklin as well. So there's like a lot of activity going on. There's a big campaign at Netta. JB, tell us about that because you were let go, but you're still going to ask, you asked for a vote and you're going to try to submit it. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, UFCWs are working with the NLRB. Uh, there was a ruling a month or two ago uh, that stated that uh, because, well, first of all, the ruling was to make sure that the election can happen by mail, uh, to make sure that people who have to isolate or have to stay home because of COVID uh, get to participate in the union election. Um, the other case that they're trying to make is that folks who were laid off during the campaign, during COVID layoffs, that were also either uh, pro-union or critical of COVID practices, um, can make an argument for being able to vote uh, in case there was, you know, uh, if there were to have been like foul play in terms of union busting or who was laid off for what reasons. So um, our goal is to make sure that we can uh, get the word out to as many laid off folks as possible. Because if we can make arguments for like 10 or more, we can most likely make arguments for the rest of them too. Uh, just because there's a pandemic doesn't mean the workers shouldn't be able to have a say in the matter anymore. 
Definitely. So if you're you're a Brookline worker that was laid off and you weren't rehired, you could still vote in this election. You could still ask for a ballot. Yep, there's a number that you can call with the NLRB and let them know that you were a laid off NOTA employee and uh, ask them to send you a contested ballot. Uh, those are due back to the NLRB by the 23rd. So if there are any laid off NOTA Brooklyn employees watching, uh, you can do that this month. And even if you don't intend to go back, this helps your fellow employees, people who are working there now who are fighting for this. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, that's the way I look at it. Like, uh, I, I am relocating anyways. I don't intend to come back to the company. I am severed from the company. <laughs> um, but to me, it's important to make sure that the folks who are still there, um, even if they don't feel empowered by the folks around them to participate, like I want them to have the chance to negotiate for the conditions that they deserve and to see uh, in real time, what a union can actually do for workers. Excellent. Thank you, JB. Now, John, Jonathan, you also, uh, you're in the same location, the Franklin location that's organizing, right? Yep. And you're, you, you are, are the chef there? Yep. Yes. Well, I so oversee you, all the chefs. You, know. you oversee all the chefs. Okay. So I'm sure you see some like working condition issues as well. Do you, or like, why are you supporting the Union. It's a different world in, um, in the kitchen up front. We have more just different issues that are going on. Um, I'm just more into the solidarity of the worker. We really have no voice in the kitchen. There was a lot of changes that happened without any of us being able to voice anything that happened. We went with them with our concerns and just stuff never changed and it all just kept happening for the works. And then this COVID situation, just the layoffs and everything that happened around it just proved that they don't care about us. And I've been there for two years and I've just seen instance after instance where it proved that it's all about the bottom line, the dollar, not really about the employee. Thank you. Now, you know, uh, right now, like we said, there's a union election. It's happening right now at New England Treatment Access uh, in the Brookline location. Franklin has collected a bunch of ballots. I think that means they don't even have to have an election. Is that correct? Or am I wrong it's on that? Split. It's split half and half. The cultivation side, the back of the house, the agriculture, they don't have to have a vote if, once the physical cards get verified. I'm in okay. the front and we still got to get enough majority cards signed to have the vote. And then okay. we'll vote on it to become part of it. So I'm actively just trying to talk to as many people as I can, get them to sign the digital card, get to answer any questions they have, direct them to the people who have the answers. I'm just doing what I can. And that's what Mr. Lotha didn't like. He didn't like... Uh that there wasn't going to be a campaign, that the campaign was over for some workers already at the Franklin location. No, um, they didn't like that. I was talking to my people about it. I actually got brought upstairs and talked to um, really? by one of the supervisors. Yeah. What did they say to you? Um, they directly told me that I wasn't in trouble, but that I wasn't supposed to be talking about union stuff on the clock. And <laughs> then I was told them that I was just you know, letting my people know about what was going on in the back because I got a flyer saying they filed and they told me that even that they, I probably shouldn't be talking about. They probably shouldn't be talking to you about the union like that is my opinion. I'm not a lawyer, but that's my understanding of it. So it's very interesting what people shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. um, let, let's talk about the, the union at New England Treatment Access and Mayflower, because Mayflower just had a union election today. It won. What do you all feel about that? And also, what is your prediction for New England Treatment Access, Brookline, the election? And also, what's going on in Franklin? Like, what, what do you think is going to happen? And, and, and what do you feel about Mayflower today? Who wants to go um, first? Basil, um, I, I just want to start off by saying, like, congratulations to Mayflower for uh, voting yes or to unionize. That's awesome. It's great to hear that more companies or you know more workers in cannabis companies in Massachusetts are deciding to do this. This is great. Um, you know, you'll finally have your voices heard. So, congratulations. Um, so, yeah, I think that you know these uh, wins for the you know workers to unionize are going to help. Um, I think that, you know, people seeing that, like, you know, they're not just facing some just, like, giant, unstoppable corporate machine, like, they're realizing, like, no, we can do something about this. I think that's going to have a big impact for Brookline. 
and I, I hope it also encourages the people who were like laid off and furloughed to you know, send their cast their you know votes and vote for yes because the the only way things are going to get better is if we you know unionize uh, you know join join together as workers and make make the positive changes to make it a better work environment for everybody you know definitely so, yeah and yeah and I think that Franklin you know is is great um it'll you know help to uh, you know talk to people and everything for the cultivators to get our you know get our card check done and. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, over, like, you know, the support was there. People, you know, at first just didn't know. They were just like, oh, you know, can we, can we do, like, they didn't know a lot. So it was just more of just talking to people, getting the word out. And once people realized that they had a, they had a voice, they had a chance to make a difference, they did. And, and now here we are. Yeah, we're just waiting to, I think, it, you know, uh, check by the, uh, ratified by the state, I think. That's the way the term for it. And then, yeah, and then we're, yeah, start working on contract negotiations. It's really exciting, like, and it seems that ever since that got announced too, people are really excited throughout the company overall, at least everyone I've talked to. Very cool. And who yeah. wants to go next? I'll go. Yes. JB. Uh, yeah. Also a huge congrats to Mayflower. That's pretty amazing, especially in the cultivation aspects of these facilities. Uh, I've only been in cultivation a couple of times at Franklin during like pre recreational moments of need. Um, but it's pretty, it's pretty bonkers. And I can only imagine like as production needs have gone up with recreational being in full swing that the conditions have only gotten worse. Um, in terms of Brookline's vote, I think that it's going to be a bit of a toss up. I am definitely feeling optimistic for them to vote uh, in favor of the union. Uh, but there's definitely like a lot of, uh, doubt and uncertainty uh, among staff, like in terms of like what it would even mean to be in a union. Uh, the point that all the locations seem to really be hammering home is like you will lose your individuality, like you can't speak directly to management, uh, where really it's just not that black and white. Like management is going to, and specifically higher up to management are like going to make it look like you're going to have to do everything through the union like you can't even talk to your managers about anything because and i guess it seems like more of a threat because especially at brookline i don't know about franklin since it's so big um there's like you know the we're a big family aspect that so many corporations like to pull but like uh even if that felt true when i was one of like 30 employees when we were met only uh, it's pretty hard to keep like a family dynamic, quote unquote, when there are 150 people in your same position. You don't know half the people you work with anymore. Um, and there's so much turnover, especially now that folks even in management are leaving, people on the floor are leaving. Um, yeah, I guess like with all the, with all the turnaround on staff, it's kind of hard to say. Um, but I do think that the and the hopeful one for the rest of Franklin and uh, the Mayflower voter are, are definitely going to encourage people to see that it can actually be a reality and that um, that it's not just like this abstract idea of a union and that there actually is hope in facing the corporate machine. Definitely. Jonathan, what do you think? Ed, like everything they said, man, Mayflower, congratulations. That shit's awesome. I hope more people unionize. I hope it goes around and everything. Um, Brookline, I hope they vote. I hope they pass it. I'm not around there. I don't really talk to anybody from there, so I can't really get a general vibe from what's going on. But for as the front of the house, for everything else, for our mail-in votes, um, it seems mixed feelings because we can't really talk about it openly. So there's a lot of misinformation going around. A lot of people worried about losing the ED, even though it's not really anything <laughs> significant. So I feel like we can get there, but it just needs a lot more people to be aware and open their eyes and get that information and ask those questions. Definitely. And that's what I'm trying to do, just get that information out there. Awesome. We're, we're the Young Jerks and we're speaking to three uh, employees at New England Treatment Access, two current and one who was recently laid off, let go, uh, as part of what I'm calling a union purge at Brookline. They laid off over 50 people, fired over 50 people at their location where they're now rehiring people during a union election at that location. You do the math. Um, my name is Mike Crawford. We've got three great guests here, Jonathan Martins, J.B. Fulbright, and also Basil Cahill. 
And uh, Basil worked in the Franklin Cultivation Site. Uh, JB worked, uh, actually still works at the Franklin Cultivation Site. JB uh, was at the Brookline location. Uh, she was laid off. Uh, they were laid off. And Jonathan Martins is still currently employed at the Franklin location. He's a sh Are you a big chef? Is that what you are? I lead them all. I help them with their projects. They're all the ones that cook everything. I, I'm more of the pencil pusher, the middle manager, you know. <laughs> I mean, are you a good chef, though? Or do you cook at home, too? Uh, more lazy. More lazy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me, too, most of the time. But, you know, sometimes. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, basically, we, we have gone over quite a bit. I, I want to ask you, this is always like a question like I always try to ask our guests, is there anything you want to bring to our audience that you think they should be made aware of or even about working in the industry? Because I think a lot of folks don't quite understand the situation you're in here. Um, anything you want to really kind of bring to the forefront or bring up tonight? And if, if you don't, it's okay. I'm, I'm down to talk about some of my experience. Um, and I think that from what I've, from other folks that I've talked to, this is a problem at other uh, nettle locations, uh, specifically also at Franklin, but then other dispensaries around the state are big problems with um, social equity, uh, specifically in regards to race, gender, and uh, sexual orientation. Um, I would say that in terms of like, uh, at least in my own experience, there is a big problem with misogyny and um, just like lack of awareness regarding like trans issues um, and like kind of homophobic microaggressions. Um, and then like when you bring it up to people within the company, it's like, we hear you, but there are so many other things going on that we're going to keep pushing it back. Um, the industry in general has been overwhelmingly male and overwhelmingly white since its inception, which for so many reasons is problematic. I mean, I think we can all agree that the fact that an industry is run by white millionaires and billionaires, uh, while there are so many incarcerated people of color in prison still in Massachusetts and across the country, uh, is a travesty. <laughs> um, it's disgusting. And you can see in the way that, uh, like in the staff makeup racially, uh, like where those problems are, uh, you can see in who was laid off, like, <laughs> uh, you can see in terms of like women in management, um, basically, I don't know. I'm kind of going off on a No, you guys, I love it. Let me ask you a question. The, yeah, they put out some emails kind of tiptoeing around the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I noticed a lot of dispensers kind of did that, but they didn't really Maybe I'm wrong on this. I'll have to look it up again. But I don't think Netta ever actually said Black Lives Matter. Maybe they did. Maybe they did support it. But what do you think about that kind of like, you know, putting the PR out there, but then doing things differently behind the scenes? Like, how, how does that jive for you? Yeah, I can't speak specifically to like what they've been doing uh, in light of the social uprisings of the last couple of months and like, uh, the more uh, prevalent talks of police abolition and police brutality. Um, I can say that I saw their statement tweet and it uh, never specifically mentions uh, black or brown people. Right. Uh, they said something, basically it was all lives matter with extra steps. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I read. I was like, this is like almost all lives matter. It's like, where where is the word black? Yeah, no. Like if you're talking about Black Lives Matter, you have to say the word black at least like once, if not a hundred times throughout the tweet. I mean, come on. And it's there's like I think it's partially related to like the police presence within the cannabis industry. Uh, I can at least speak for Massachusetts and I think like Oregon that uh, a big thing that happens in legal states is that to appease um, like to appease the police stations and uh, the police across the state. Um, they'll put them on the payroll or they'll do things to like, um, or like the tax revenue from the cannabis industry will benefit the police departments. So I know at NETA, they have police details on site at least two all day. Um, maybe even an overnight person too. Uh, and they get paid leaps and bounds more than any of the floor employees do. Um, so, you know, I think that in regards to 
you know, for reasons that are too much to even get into on this podcast, the correlation between um, police presence and the fight for uh, rights for Black people, especially those being affected by police brutality. Um, I think you're going to find that a lot of dispensaries are going to kind of like sidle around the issue and um, say the least they can say without getting called out for it, I guess. Um, especially now that, uh, you know, a company from the South is in control of New England Treatment Access, uh, especially a state like Florida, which has a lot of issues of its own. Um, yeah, so I think the reasons for the statements being so wishy-washy are complicated. Um, but I think they speak to the bigger structural problems with corporate cannabis and the things that I think, in addition to basic labor rights, we should really be fighting to figure out how as workers we can push towards social equity laws that are actually enforced within the states uh, to make sure that the industry is equitable, um, starting with the very least uh, by releasing everybody in prison for every drug charge in the state of Massachusetts. Amen. I mean, it's ridiculous that, or, or, or facing charges. This is the uh, thing I've seen over and over, like, in my, like, you know, talking to people and covering stories is like, since decrim, people don't go to jail so much in Massachusetts for plants, but what happens is they get arrested and then they wait for the next three years while they get threatened. We're going to throw you in jail. We're going to throw you and they keep, make, make you go to court. So every, every three months you got to go back. You got to go back. You got to go back. And nothing happens because they know they'll lose if it goes to a jury trial and they don't want to deal with it, but they don't want to dismiss it, you know? So it's a big, like, I, I want to see nobody, there should be nobody strung along on cultivation charges in Massachusetts or any type of cannabis charges. Like not even, don't even arrest them. I'm so, so sick of it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It just all plays into, you know, yeah, <laughs> it plays into racism. It plays into uh, big pharma. It plays into the prison industrial complex. And um, yeah, you know, I think working in the industry, something that I dealt with and something I still deal with, even when it comes to like worker representation is just reckoning with the fact that at least the way that it exists in Massachusetts, like, the cannabis industry, I almost wish that it had taken longer for it to be legalized in the way that it is now so that there would be an actual foundation for reparations within the industry. Um, I definitely feel that. I, I, I wish that uh, we had had caregivers from the very beginning too. They hadn't got outlawed because that's kind of how Maine, they got the end. They did the caregivers first and then the dispensaries later where we did the dispensaries first now we're trying to get caregivers now we did it we did it backwards in a lot of respects unfortunately um so we have three great guests on the show today we have also got some comments too online people are asking about how much dues might be we have union reps answering that for us from uh ufcw 1445 fabricio de silver is on there he's a good guy um, and other people are saying, go you union, Tom Denman. Uh, he, he also said that he thinks all cannabis should be unionized. Unionize all weed is what he wrote. We got a lot of uh, listeners right now. I want to I, I know if they have any questions. Everyone's got a comment, but no one's got a good question. So if you have any questions, post them on our Facebook feed because I'm looking at that too. We might even be on Twitter tonight. I tried to put us up on Twitter. So that may be a new way you can watch us as well. If you didn't catch the whole show or you don't really like watching video because you're, you may be walking dogs like I do during the day and you want to listen to it instead on podcast, we're on iTunes. This will be up there later tonight on iTunes and everywhere else, you know, Spotify, you name it. We're there. We're on uh, your podcast app. So look us up if you haven't. The Young Jerk, subscribe, review, rate us. We really appreciate that on iTunes. It's helped us get a lot more listeners recently, especially. Uh, again, I want to congratulate the workers over in Holliston at Mayflower Medicinals who voted yes for the union today uh, with UFC uh, 1445. Uh, uh, I also want to congratulate these workers that we have in front of us. I think you guys 
all of you are like historic like you're you're making history right now like this is what you're doing is going to affect generations of workers in massachusetts so like we have the most respect for you you put like a lot on the line and you're working together and and like we can't be any prouder like i'm getting goosebumps on my face here right now like seriously you 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 all rule very much and so i want to thank you again for spending time with us tonight uh, one of the last questions I have is Bo Wrigley, billionaire Bo by birth. He's a billionaire by birth, Bo Wrigley. Uh, the Wrigley uh, ballpark, the Wrigley, Wrigley Field, Wrigley chewing gum fame. He owns NETA, New England Treatment Access. He owns uh, Parallel. He also sent out a kind of a strange ask email out to employees of his company. And it was basically saying, you know, we're looking for you to contribute money to other employees in need. I'm just wondering how you all received that. Cause I, I saw that email and I was like, here's a billionaire asking his workers that he's union busting on to help the other workers. Maybe he should just support a union is what I thought first and foremost, but I want to know how you guys received that email. And if you read it, what you thought about it. I read it to all my staff members. And as soon as, the word said, please donate to help. They told me to stop reading and they all laughed and like <laughs> instantly it was like, all right, we're not listening anymore. <laughs> I think I remember Whole Foods sending out a similar email at the beginning of the pandemic, which, or, you know, either Amazon or Whole Foods, the same thing, but another company where it's like, oh, a literal billionaire is asking its uh, workers to donate to each other instead of redistributing some of their own wealth. It's, I mean, like I say it's laughable, but really it's just pretty tragic, especially because like, um, you know, in addition to hazard pay being uh, stopped after, excuse me. <laughs> you, is that a doggy? It is. Oh, I love dogs. <laughs> Uh, in addition to the hazard pay being stopped after like a week and a half, two weeks uh, into COVID, uh, most people's hours got cut down significantly, uh, even after furloughs. Um, so basically, you're already asking folks with significantly smaller paychecks than they were getting before the virus uh, to give up some of their paychecks, whereas the people who were laid off, uh, or if anybody is still furloughed or on uh, medical leave, are frankly making more on unemployment than anybody who's still in the store, except for maybe managers. Uh, so it was better um, to be furloughed and fired in this case, definitely, than to go back and work at New England Treatment Access to get recalled. And what you said is so interesting because we talked about, you know, was there an increase, you know, hazard pay, right? That employees didn't get hazard pay, they got a pay cut. They got their hours cut. Like that, that's what not having a union does to you when you have a company like this. I'm sure you have something to say too as well, Basil. Yeah, um, that email as well as a couple other, you know, it, what, I, what I got out of that, I'm sure a lot of other people did too, is you got this billionaire, you know, Wrigley, who just says, oh, people are angry. Well, this, this is like a low effort, half-assed approach. Like, oh, this will make them happy. There you go, see, now you can, you know, work together and rise each other, that, that, that'll make them happy, that'll settle things down, like, no, like, it, it shows the, the great disconnect from the workers and the people who are making all this possible, like, none of this would be possible if it wasn't for our hard work, you know, for all of us here in this industry in general, and everybody who sacrificed and put everything online to make this industry, in the legal industry, even possible in the first place, like, it, it just, it just is, you know, it just it just really just shows how they're so far disconnected from what we go through and you know what we deserve that's exactly what i saw and it's just you know kind of trying to you know the charade of like oh we care but really it's like it's on you you have to help each other out and well we're doing that by unionizing so there there you go yeah and i have a, a, um, another question about a past show uh, Rob came on. He was in the Franklin location. He talked about fires and specifically the lack of fire drills. And then there was another fire. There had already been a fire. Rob came on, talked about the lack of fire drills. And then there was another fire. You, two, of you, two, two of you work in that location currently. 
have there been fire drills since then that you know of? Yeah, and there was one. There was a fire drill? There was, was that one. before the fire or after the fire? After the fire. After the fire, okay. Yeah, I heard rumors that they were trying to do one before the fire, but I'm assuming it was just in response to the publicity from the last that podcast. But so they, they listened to the show and they decided they should have a fire drill. I'm assuming. <laughs> Why does it have, they should be paying me consulting services. And Rob, Rob, who, who came on the show, who they already pay, they should give him more money as a consultant. Because, I mean, this is basic stuff they're learning from the show, I guess. These, I wonder how much money they make at New England Treatment Access, the person who decided to finally call for a fire drill. <laughs> Peru. Um, I don't think they had one at nighttime, though. I think that's still a whole shift that's still. So, so, so another part of the company, uh, the, the nighttime shift still probably hasn't had a fire drill, as far as you know. As far as I know. Okay. And what about the fallout from the fire? Like, did you, did that freak you guys out? Like, tell us about the fire real quickly, too, if you can. Like, what was your perspective on it? There was also kind of a he said, she said, where I heard. Vendetta claimed that the fire department was aware of the situation and the fire department got back and said they had no clue that it happened. Do you have any insight on any of that regarded to that uh, past fire there? Um, yeah, I was right there. Um, I saw it happen. I was um, pretty much in the kitchen in the divider right before the fire happened and I got my, my employees ran back into the kitchen. I screamed for uh, an extinguisher, but somebody else on the extraction lab grabbed it really quickly and put it out. Um, and did, did your crew know how to get out of there? Were they like, they, they knew where to go? No, nobody knew where to go. <laughs> nobody evacuated. We just were just waiting around trying to figure out what was going on. And what do what the fire department called or did they arrive? Do you know? I didn't see anybody at the time and I didn't see here any alarms went off, no nothing. That's what my, I mean, my source indicates he talked directly to the fire department. I should have followed up on that, honestly, but I believe this person. I know who this person is. There's no reason I have to doubt them at all. So it's very interesting. Uh, do you have any experience on that as well, Basil? Yeah, I was in the building the same day as well. And I, there was no alarm, no nothing. I didn't even know that it happened until I was walking up front to go to break and I just see this big mess and everyone's running around and management is like, what's going on? There was a fire. I'm like, are you, are you? I was in my room working and you know, a, a real fire could have broke out and who knows what could happen. And I would have been in, in a room bliss, you know, totally unaware. And it was just that kind of, it was utter disbelief really that like after two fires that happened one overnight and then now one during the day. And I never had a fire drill the entire time I've worked at Netta. And that was concerning. That was, I mean, like to say the least, I mean, yeah, I was very shocked to see that it would ha had happened again. And it, 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 you know, it made me feel, you know, fear for safety. Cause you know, like this is basic stuff. Like that, that should, I cannot believe it had, it took, it took two fires for there to actually be a fire drill. Unbelievable. Yeah. And you didn't yeah. see the fire department either there. I'm sure. I'm, uh, I'm I didn't, I didn't see anybody personally. No. Let me ask you, do you worry more about mold, the aphids, or the fires? Like, what, what, what keeps you up at night? I mean, the, 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 you know, as far as aphids and mold and such, that, that's, you know, long-term, you know, you know, things I worry about, you know, things that come down the line that's harder to trace back to, you know, like, you know, like things that happen, you know, with like Agent Orange people, they, they didn't see all that stuff until later on. The, you know, the first responders in 9-11, like their health issues happen later on. So that that concerns me for the long term. But it's the fires and just the lack, like nobody nobody know, knew where to go. Nobody knows like, you know, what we're supposed to do in that regard. It's that, that's like the immediate threat. So, I mean, it's just, you know, two different sides of the same coin. But yeah, they, they both, you know, you know, frankly scare me. Quite, quite a lot. Yeah, I bet. Who's yeah. in charge of that at Netta? Like, who's not doing their job on that? Do you know? Or nobody has that job, and they're just I, that I, disorganized. I, I really don't know. I've, I've talked to some people in other departments and asked them, like, why are we doing this? And I've heard, you know, folks say, like, oh, we're, we're advocating for it, we're asking for it, but we're just kind of, it's falling on deaf ears. So, you know, I, you know, it's like, I don't even, there's just so, just a lack of communication in regards to that. 
Definitely. It's, it's yeah. troubling. I mean, this is uh, stuff our audience needs, unfortunately, to hear so that they, get, they can know how serious this is. And maybe if you, you know, are in Brookline or Franklin or Northampton, contact your elected official. You know, call, find out, like, have them look into this. You know, this is this is troubling. I'm worried about you guys. I, I hope I think that union will make a big difference. I'm sure all of you feel like that too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure you would have regular fire drills. I was in a union. And let me tell you, I I was still friends with my bosses, the managers. I could still talk to them. Um, I felt like I had double communication because I could go, you know, I could go directly to the boss. But if that didn't work, I could go to the union. And instead of like, you know, a lot of situations where I've been in corporate America too, if you have a problem with your boss, you're supposed to go to your boss's boss, right? Or HR. Yep. That always blows up in your face. Like that never works out good. It always screws you over. I mean, sometimes you have to do it because you're going to try to take a stand and sometimes it will work, you know, and, and basically, you know, in that case, you might get your boss fired, but more likely you're going to get fired. Um, but, you know, in reality, when you have the union to go to, that's your backup, that's your safety valve. And it's usually about health and safety. Like I was a, a, you know, we used to deliver beer. We worked at a beer man, you know, beer distributor. So we'd be moving the pallets around. We had heavy machinery, all that. And so there was the big thing is, was safety, to not get run over by something, not to not get hurt, to make sure the equipment was all good, to make sure the lifts were, you know, all that stuff. And and they took it seriously because of the union every time. And we, our shop was right next to a Budweiser shop. They were number one. We were number two, right? We're, we're, we, we made more money. We had better hours. We had uh, health and safety, all that covered. Where they didn't, they were treated like crap. You know, you'd think they would be making more money. They would have better health and safety because they were the number one brand, right? No, because they weren't unions. So I, I think on certain industries where your health and safety is a big concern, if you're not getting treated well, you need a union. And this is so apparent in this situation at New England Treatment Access for a number of reasons. You've heard them tonight, the fires, the mold, just the way that they treat people and they gaslight and I want to ask, I keep saying I want to ask one more question, but I do. I have one, I have one more. There was a, some information that came to me about the lockers at New England Treatment Access. Uh, there was an e, another email that came out from management telling people to take off the stick. Like basically the employees had put stickers on their lockers or they had put up some flyers on their lockers. And the email came down, take all of it down today. It's offensive. Do you do you know anything about that? Like, what were the flyers? Were, were there stickers on the lockers that were that they asked to take down? Do you have any info on that? Let's say, and I think that was Brookline. So maybe none of you do. I'm not sure. Do any of you have any information on that? I don't specifically on like on lockers, but I know that, um, and, and this is semi-related. But when the petition was first filed to unionize. Uh, they had UFCW representatives passing out flyers regarding management and like the election uh, petition, uh, passing out to a bunch of different, um, uh, basically everybody who was leaving the store, people who were entering the store. Uh, management was very unhappy with that for sure. Um, I, I think offensive is one of the words that they used, but it was kind of funny because there was definitely like, kind of like this crocodile tears, like acting like hurt that like, you know, our family of a business has been like attacked by this like mean union, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that kind of approach. Uh, I don't know about, I, I could probably find out from folks who are still at Brookline, like about anything that went out recently on lockers, but um, pretty much anytime any blatantly pro union information or anything that has, uh, I guess slandered the practices of the company presently uh, has unsurprisingly be, uh, been met with some contention, uh, but I'm not surprised that that would have gotten more aggressive over the past few months as the campaign has progressed. Somebody um, told me that it was over some vandalism, some, um, somebody drew some offensive images on another person's locker to make fun of them so as a just a 
fan hammer all they just no stickers no nothing on anything but i didn't get that confirmed this is just the rumors that i heard in franklin interesting because i'm hearing other rumors too i heard maybe it was about black lives matter or something like that yeah that's something i'm yeah who knows right i mean we're, we're talking rumors now so i guess we'll let that one go just seemed like a strange email to send out without actually quoting like you know if, if, if you're going to call something offensive tell us what is offense you know what i mean it just seemed like a i saw the email and i was very curious about that email it was very strange i, I had a rick and morty sticker removed from my locker you did right <laughs> <laughs> you took them down or they, they were going to take them out and throw them out i would have been like you take them off <laughs> yeah. you you did it for them you're a good man Thank you, Jonathan. All right, I want to I want to thank everyone for you know all of you, uh, Basil Cahill, uh, JB Fulbright, and Jonathan Martins for being on the show from New England Treatment Access and telling us what's going on over there. I wish you all the best of luck on this union fight. When are we going to find out like what happens in Brookline on the election? End of this month, right? Yeah, I would assume so. The deadline to receive ballots by mail for the NLRB is the 23rd. So I'm guessing by the start of August, there should be results. Uh, I guess like, uh, I feel like there's going to probably be some pushback from the company, especially in regards to contested ballots. Uh, so in terms of like what the election actually looks like, I wouldn't be surprised if it takes a little bit longer. Um, but the 23rd is the deadline. So again, if any, <laughs> anybody who is furloughed, laid off from Brookline, needs to call in for a ballot. Uh, there is a number you can reach out to UFCW. They have it, or if anybody knows me or has my info, I'm happy to send it over as well. Perfect. And we're going to play the ad at the end of the show too, which will have uh, UFCW 1445, their phone number. So you can also call them directly if you want to do that from uh, this show, the end of the show. You can just listen to it, write it down, get a pen. Awesome. So uh, I want to thank you all, all, all three of you for being here tonight. Again, we had a lot of listeners, a lot of people watching right now, and everyone definitely does support you. I haven't seen one person saying anything negative. People are you know, talking about how dangerous it is. Uh, someone else said I would call OSHA on a daily basis. Uh, so they, they get it. Uh, you, you all were loud and clear tonight and crystal clear, which I want to thank you so much because you're really good advocates all three of you thank you mike and yeah once again thank you to everybody who's been pushing and making this whole union effort and you know giving a voice to the, the workers possible yeah thank you thank you basil and uh, uh, do you want to say anything else um yeah i would say that this you know the cannabis or marijuana movement in general is a you know it's 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 a counterculture movement it's it's to say that you know we're standing for what we believe is right in regards to like whatever kind of pushback we're getting. And I feel like this is just another one of those where like people need to, you know, stand up and have our voices heard and against these, you know, you know, large seemingly insurmountable odds. But in reality, like we have the power and we can make a difference. And I want to see this continue. I want to set us you know, to set a standard for the industry going forward for the future. Yeah. Yeah. And to be proud too. Like I, I push for yeah, all right. this reform and i want to be proud i don't want to be feeling guilty that people are not being treated well yeah jb do you have some final words for us um thank you for having us on giving us the chance to talk about our experiences uh with the company and as workers in a completely unregulated field in general um i guess i would just sign off with uh solidarity with all workers all cannabis workers but all workers having to deal with being in a pandemic right now uh, anybody whose work is deemed essential when it is not and um, also just to not be afraid to reach out to your local unions if you are interested in unionizing you'll get pushed back maybe you'll even lose your job uh, but at the end of the day you're doing the right thing for everybody else uh, in your work environment and anybody else in your field who might be listening thank you jb fulbright and jonathan martins Hey, just thank you for having us, like they said, but anybody in Franklin, you've got questions about the union, you want a digital card to sign, come to me. I'm always around. I'm always available. Like, ask questions like that. Just get this shit done. We need it. Better wages, better health care, job security, us coming together for a voice. Like, we need this shit. 
Awesome. I want to thank everyone for listening tonight, uh, sharing the content. And I want to thank our three guests. And I want to say thank UFCW uh, 1445. We're going to play the ad on the way out. And uh, I want to thank you all again for being here. Thank you. The Young Jerks are sponsored by UFCW 1445, a labor union representing cannabis employees in Massachusetts. Currently, UFCW is holding a union election at NETA New England Treatment Access in Brookline, as well as at Mayflower. If you are a cannabis employee worried about your health and safety and are not being heard at work, call the union at UFCW local 1445.org or call them at 1-800-439-1445.